Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories podcast. This is part two of a two-part series. Let's switch here. Let's switch here to the commercial market. Um, and it, first off, which do you prefer doing? Which, which is, I mean, cause you're an M&A guy, you know, in yeah. your background. And to me, it seemed like the commercial yeah. market would be maybe more exciting or even bring more value to a, to a buyer. Yeah. I, I have done a lot of commercial work. I've probably in the M&A days, I probably did two or $300 million worth of transactions, Oh man, you know, yeah, five, seven million dollars at a time. It, you know, it it, uh, it takes some years, and you work through some deals to build up that that level of experience. Uh, and and I think that that the experience that you gain permeates through everything else you do. Uh, and, and then I spent the next fifteen years doing all kinds of you know you name it, sort of you know new construction, flips, rental properties, long term, short term. Um, you know, renovations, you name it. Uh, and I've done all that. And, and then I've really kind of led me to, uh, a little bit more of a residential focus right now. Um, uh-huh. you know, I just, uh, I enjoy, uh, helping people, uh, to do the right deals. Uh, and, and I think that I bring a little bit more than just the, the ability to help people buy and sell. Uh, you know, I've been in the community now for 13 years yeah. and through all that various work, I do have um, some great names and some great people that I love to refer and, and bring in to get things done and help people to get totally set up. Uh, but yes, there are still also huge opportunities on the commercial side. And, and in some ways, <laughs> it's a love hate with commercial. It's, it's a little more complicated on the commercial side because you're dealing with, with people. Yeah. Uh, yes, there are people involved in residential real estate, but the primary focus is on the asset itself. And and that asset uh, doesn't have feelings. <laughs> it has a roof, but it doesn't have feelings. Uh, and versus when you're doing a commercial deal and you've got you've got stakeholders, you've got you've got employees, you've got customers, you've got you've got important people in the company, you've got wives, spouses, CPAs, attorneys sure. who may all have difference of opinions. Uh, it takes it takes a lot to bring those together. And and when you do. It's very rewarding, um, but sometimes it can also be a little more frustrating. <laughs> well, and I want to get into that because because you, you talked you know about the art of negotiation and, and doing all that M and A work in your background that you you do have a keen sense of you know what will make a deal work. 
But I just want to be clear, like when we're talking about commercial, we're talking about strip malls, we're talking about office buildings, we are talking about, um, you know, I don't know what you would call it, economic zones, you know, where these these buildings are, are, are located and whatnot. But how, I, I guess, you know, from an emotional side of things, how is that different? Because I guess in my mind, and, and I'm ignorant, obviously, that market, I've never done business in that market is, you know, to me, since it is more of an asset purchase that people are just mostly concerned about the building itself and what revenue it produces. And so therefore you have a seller who is looking to get fair price for that. And obviously a buyer who wants that, that revenue stream on let's, you know, I don't know, a strip mall or, or, or whatever. So I guess my question is, is, you know, give it, give us an example, I guess, without betraying anybody's confidences of, of, of a deal that you did where the emotions yeah, how did you navigate that? Um, I don't. Did they did they have to take a sip of bourbon or something halfway through the negotiations, <laughs> or do they, you know, do they, you know, pass out? I don't know. Yeah, I would say it just about covers the the gamut. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, we've had we've had a lot of fun in in negotiating different deals, and and uh, I guess one of the instances that comes to mind was was uh, you know we were putting together a deal uh, in the Midwest. Uh, and it was for a manufacturing facility and, and, and we had come in the night before the buyer, his wife, myself, a uh, couple people on my team. And we had gone out and had an amazingly wonderful dinner with the seller and his team. And we were all on the same page as to how we wanted to put this deal together. And it was just, it, it was great. And we come to the big table the next day, add in the attorneys and the accountants and, and the group in the room is now swelled to 25. And that's where it fell apart. The attorney and, and the attorney for the seller just <laughs> begins to peacock. You know, he just is going to make this all about how he wants and he wants to put grandstand and do this big show. And he keeps asking for more and more things that are just getting to be, you know, less and less comfortable. And, and, and I recall calling a timeout and uh, and I said, uh, look, we're going to break break for lunch, but let me just speak with the attorney here in the hall for a minute. I took him out in the hallway and I said, you know, Mr. Attorney, I appreciate what you're doing and, 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 and anything we can do to help you look like the big man, you know, we're all on board so long as it's not expensive. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you need to talk to your seller because this is a done deal yep. as it stands. And anything in addition that we give you is out of kindness of our heart. So why don't we just go to lunch and why don't you sort of frame this however you want to frame it. But when we come back, we're signing this deal and it's done. I'm, and we I'm all sure went to lunch. I'm sure it depends upon the sophistication of, you know, the groups that you're dealing with as well, because, you know, some, some attorneys and accountants and, and other folks are deal breakers and others are deal makers. And, and sometimes you don't know what the side story is because, you know, if, if, if that attorney, he may have been out of a job once this property was sold, right? Maybe with a, a family for a period of years and, so you're absolutely um, run into really that all the time. Through. And the, the accountant may feel the same way and, and other people on the team who just really like the status quo. Uh, and, and, and you really kind of need to identify, uh, who these, uh, influencers are, what their hot buttons are and, 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 and how you might approach that and, and, and help, help them to see the win in this whole thing. Uh, you know, and that's, and that's ultimately what I strive to do whenever I'm putting together a deal is to truly crawl into the other party's perspective at the table and think about what, what, what's, what's, what could be a conclusion that is satisfactory to them? What, what's a win for them? And, and if you can put that all together in the context, ultimately that, that's, that's how you become a deal maker 
and, and get things done is, is really, it's not necessarily as much knowing what to ask for and knowing what to press for. It's knowing what to give up. Mm. And, and I think that that's the difference. Cause that's in the death called touch. negotiations. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that an inexperienced party doesn't know what's, what's okay to give up. What is it? What's so? What's the? What's your sense of of where? And I know this is a big term because there's a lot of different parts of the commercial market here. You got warehouse space and strip malls, et cetera. But but kind of what? What's kind of the status of it? Because you know, back in episode twenty, I had uh, Lisa Krauss and Aaron Silk on from the EDC, and I think at the time they were talking about the fact that there just wasn't enough warehouse space for businesses wanting to move down here. Um, where is that now? I mean, from, from your contacts, you know, from, from, from my perspective and, and some of the, the, the folks that I'm actually working with right now, uh, uh, we talked about the Sumer premium being in the move in ready side on, on residential real estate and that, you know, having it perfectly set up is, is what's hot right now. Uh, from my perspective, what's hot right now uh, on the, in the commercial world, is anything that is 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 pre-zoned and and ready for either warehousing and or especially industrial applications and i think the reason for that is that is that is that the government without judgment continues to make it more and more difficult for that type you of can zoning be judgmental. and that type of act, activity <laughs> so so when people say i don't that's great we all want warehousing we all love amazon dropping things off at our door as cheaply right. as possible or right. whomever or whatever but we don't necessarily want that facility in our backyard and 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 as that culture has permeated uh over the years uh, it's ultimately gotten to be very difficult to have that type of property where you can conduct warehousing industrial activity and that reduction of supply has, has increased the pricing because there's not that much of it. The of demand is high. People are moving here. Commerce needs to follow the people, their services that are going to follow. And, and, and right now at the particular moment, the warehouse industrying, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to keep up with the demand. And as you see projects popping up around town, uh, they're already full. Really? So, so, the, so they have pre-sold them before they, wow. Yeah, most That's likely. And yeah. I assume, I assume all that, I assume all that construction is going, you know, what, north, east, and south? Of, yeah, of the greater Sarasota literally area. in all directions along the interstates. As long as you got that that good flow of goods, uh, and and that's what really facilitates uh, that growth. So I've seen it to the south. I've seen it to the north. I've seen mm. it right here and and just around the airport. You know, it's uh, it's it's been a it's been a boom, and I think that's going to continue. Yeah, I I I couldn't agree more. I mean, I mean, when I hop out there on forty one, of course this is high season, but. I can remember driving around in July and, uh, it was, it was really crowded as well. So I think, you know, people are still coming. I mean, where, and where are people coming from? Uh, <laughs> we're kind of back to residential because, you know, yeah. you see, you see the license plates, but where, where, where do you see them coming from? Bob, my simplest answer to that is just about the only place we're not seeing them come from is Texas. Uh. It's, it's, it's really crazy. I mean, we're seeing more and more people. We used to not see much from the West Coast. We're seeing more and more from California, Oregon, Washington, Arizona all the time. Uh, you know, the Northeast 
is becoming increasingly popular. Right. I think that the southwest coast of Florida uh, has has a longstanding reputation of being a magnet for people from the Midwest, and that continues. Yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's really been a broad-based influx. Um, but, uh, you know, there are top five states, uh, and they are kind of like from memory, but uh, it was uh, it's New York, Connecticut, Illinois, and I'm forgetting the other two, but California. You know, yeah, I think it was California. Oh, they was make, actually on that list. Yeah, I met a guy. I met a guy at a local chamber event, and he he just came in. He works for the EDC. I forget his name off the top of my head, but he moved in from California. So yeah, um, yeah, and they yeah. tend to come in. They're they're fun to work with because you know they have a different perspective on real estate value. You know, they'll come in and they'll see a canal house with a with a little boat slip out back, and they'll go, "You mean this is only four and a half million dollars?" Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, and it blows me away. We're getting off topic here, dear yeah. listeners, but I, but it blows me away. My my wife, uh, my precious wife Leslie, she loves to watch these housing shows, and you know, I forget. There's like a flip or flop, and uh, mm-hmm. you know that sort of jazz. And there's this one couple in California, and you're looking at these these homes that are trashed, and they're like. <laughs> 800 grand or nine or 1.2 and you're like, like, and this is before they fix them up. You're like, Oh my goodness. Yes, indeed. Indeed. And and I I recently, you know, uh, looked at something that that may be relevant to that topic, which is the, the the price of a home, the average price of a home to the average salary. And, And they said that California and the other Western States are essentially where the American dream goes to die because Mm. the, the, the average home price is around 11 or 12 times an average salary. Whereas in the Midwest, it's more like six or seven. Around here, it could be more like eight, nine, 10, you know, which is still getting, getting pricey, especially relative to the fifties. If you go back to the fifties, it was, it was maybe one to two years worth of salary you could buy your house. And, 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 and that has really continued. And as they talk about affordable housing and, you know, that, that's really ultimately, I think, the best way to capture that dilemma. And it's not unique to Florida, Sarasota. Right. It's a right. national issue. And that's a confluence of things. I mean, you know, yeah. the devaluation of the U S dollar and just all sorts of things. I mean, just technology and right. yeah, I, I, that, that I, that I can understand. It's interesting. I had Mark, I forget which episode it was, but I had Mark Vincroft on and he's been very involved with the workforce housing. He's, he's doing some interesting things. But let's say we have uh, let's say we have a couple of listeners out there saying, you know, I'm looking at retirement and uh, dividends aren't what they used to be, interest rates uh, aren't what they used to be. So we're, so I'm not getting that type of revenue. And so I want to buy a couple homes, a couple condos. Uh, what what's happening? Like I don't know in the flipping market or what, what's happening in in that arena right now? What do, what are you seeing there? Well, uh, the flipping market in particular has slowed down dramatically, and that I think is in proportion to uh, the the number of homes that are available due to foreclosures. Mm. Uh, so back in 2010, 11, when I moved here and, and I really started getting active in that, Sarasota County alone might have 30 auctions a day. Manatee County would have another 30 auctions a day. You literally had to go through the list and figure out which ones you wanted to look at because you couldn't look at them all. Today, if you go to the foreclosure auction, Sarasota County may have three or four a month. Oh, wow. So with the appreciation of homes, 
fewer and fewer people are underwater. Unfortunately, there's still certain circumstances where it does come to fruition that that's going to be the disposition of the house. But there's no there's no supply. There's no steady supply of distressed underwater homes. And so uh, people that are in the flipping business have had to take a little bit more of a creative approach. And really, rather than leaning into making money on the buy side, they really have to lean into how much money can I get for this this super improved product and can I get that super premium so it doesn't mean that the flipping market has gone away and that it's dead. It's just changed in its nature a little bit. Um, but uh, I truly believe in, in the value of, 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 of rental homes, uh, kind of personal, uh, important Absolutely. part of my long-term yeah. retirement strategy. And, you know, I'm not exactly in the pension world. Uh, so I have some long-term rentals and I have some short-term rentals out on Siesta Key and uh, they have performed extremely well. Uh, there are times at which if you look close enough at the value of a home in this area, there are times at which that graph does go down. But if you hold it out, that graph out at about arm's length, yep. it basically goes from the bottom left corner to the top right. Right. And, and I think that the you know, rising tide raises all boats. And, and that's basically a, a solid investment strategy to start. Now there's a little more micro things you want to dive into, but, but, uh, Rental property in this area uh, has got to be a good idea on the surface. You, you know, I mean, for many years, I had uh, had a portfolio that I traded online and, and did a lot of trading in the um, really in the mining industry, a lot of natural resources. I wasn't a commodities guy, but buy and sell equities and go to a lot of conferences, all that sort of jazz. I'll tell you what, I'm getting tired now of just seeing, you know, you hop on the computer and you see, you know, You'll you'll see the market go up X percent and and then dive X percent and sometimes what it just hits me it's just like you know at the end of the day these are numbers on a screen but I'm just I'm sick of seeing kind of the fluctuation and I think you know particularly now with the crypto and the in the uh, NFTs and stuff like that you're looking for something that's solid you know something that's real and right. something that has more and and I know you know there's nothing certain in life. But there certainly is something to be said to diversify in something that is real and solid, and particularly in a very fast-growing part of the country, where if you can, if you can, uh, you know, have somebody go out and find some properties for you that that makes sense for your portfolio, that makes to me that that just makes all the sense in the world. I, you know, it's interesting. I will add, you know, you, you mentioned you don't see anybody from Texas coming. I have. Uh, a daughter who lives uh, out in the near the Salina area, which is kind of northwest of Dallas, for point of reference, and it's a, this, they're having the same thing out there. You know, just this price appreciation, but they just bought their second home, and so I think that they're they're doing some of the same stuff that you you know like you're advocating. So I, it, it, you just kind of hit a hot button with me. I'm just like thinking, man, you know, let's let's get into something that's real instead of that's on a screen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a huge proponent of that. And, and I do believe just like you just referenced the portfolio approach. Do I think you should put everything you own into yeah. Florida real estate? No, probably not. I don't think that that's, that that's a hundred percent solid philosophy, but should it be a relatively large slice of your pie? I think, I think I could make a solid argument as to why it should. Yeah, of course. How much you make a little sliver for a little crypto and maybe a little sliver for some <laughs> trading and maybe, you know, absolutely. But that's all part of having a healthy, balanced portfolio type of an approach. And and I think that I would encourage anybody who's listening, who's thinking about getting into rental property. You don't have to start with something big. You don't have to start with a multifamily apartment building that's millions of dollars. I would encourage you to get started with something small. 
that's how my wife and Heather and I got started. Uh, back when we met in 1988, got married in 91, and we bought a duplex. We lived in one side, and we rented out the other, and we lived for free. And, and Bob, I have 1031 exchanged that original investment in over the years. And I, and I, you know, I haven't tracked it dollar for dollar, but I think that's how we ended up with, with a beautiful condo with Gulf view, uh, out on Siesta key. That's in high demand Is that and right? out on VRBO. Yeah, You're making so, me jealous. You're making me nah, jealous. Nah, it, it's just, it's just, I think that it's a matter of getting started. It's, yeah. it's not overly complicated. I think that's, it's it, not scary. You know, and, and I would be one of those people who, if there, cause when I moved back down in 2015, moved back down when i moved here for the first time in 2015 i was a long time snowbird is you know i went to some of these uh, like investment clubs and stuff like i was just curious you know i read books like and it's really that i think the first bite at the apple which probably is the hardest yeah and i think uh and i'm gonna put a shameless plug in here for you i mean you, you've been in the market for a long time you've done a lot of different things and you obviously you'd have a great you know sense of of value, uh, I think, and that's maybe where you know somebody needs to reach out to you and say, you know, help me get through this 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 first step right here. And the, the other thing I will say, you know, it's funny you you mentioned you mentioned crypto. A good friend of mine is a fellow by the name of Charlie Shrim, and he's he's one of the original Bitcoin guys. He's only like I don't know thirty thirty two years old, but I think I had him on back in episode fifty. And I've heard him talk about crypto, and he and I will chat every once in a while now, but. I don't know if it's a generational thing. I just can't. I I can't bite that apple. I really can't. It just makes no sense to me about you know nothing backing. Yeah, just the whole thing. Nothing backing it up, and it's just really an algorithm on computers. But I don't get it. I really don't. Right. Well, I, I view I view the crypto outcome as being fairly binary. It's either going to be a zero or a one. <laughs> so you know, I, I don't I don't put too much faith in that. But uh, you know, maybe maybe just a little toe in the water on a little BTC, yeah, maybe. But uh, yeah, I I I you know the vast focus for me is really on real estate, real property, real cash flow. Absolutely, yeah. You know, these are these are tremendous hedges against inflation and also providers of income. And so it has tremendous utility. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure about the utility of, uh, you know, a, a, an account on the screen. Yeah. You know, if it goes up, I can do something with it. But if it doesn't, I, I can't do anything with it. In real estate, you can obviously do something with it. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting because I read enough about international affairs and, you know, I'm kind of a news junkie, you know, all around the world of what's happening in Asia and Europe. And, you know, unfortunately, we're the best looking pig in the pen right now uh, yeah. with the economy. And I really think uh, Florida and Texas and a handful of other states are, you just kind of see like this bifurcation in the economy that's happening. And so I just, uh, I just don't, it's not that you can't go wrong buying down here, but it sure seems like the risk profile is a whole lot different than if you live in certain areas in California and New York, um, New Jersey, uh, that sort of deal. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of echo, echo that same thing. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Bob. I think you're all over it. I think you referenced earlier that people uh, were talking about national real estate markets, and and you hear a lot about that. You hear, you know, you, you already hear that, you know, Redfin and and the Case Shillers, and they say prices are off twenty percent. Well, to me, that that's kind of like uh, talking about uh, the national weather. The average today, the average high today in the United States of America might be fifty-two degrees. Well, it's sunshine and 75 here. 
Yes, and, it is. And I think that that's a decent uh, <laughs> analogy for the real estate market as well. There's going to be some places that are that are minus 10, but boy, there sure are some places that are sunny in 75. Indeed. Well, there's a bull market someplace, as you know, as, yeah. as the saying goes. Well, well, let's kind of come back to the to the investor um, idea. Let's say somebody is they're saying like, you know, I've I've been online. I see these folks that are touting, you know, why aren't you the owner of this property and buy one house a year? Um, how would you kind of like walk somebody through the, like the first time person who wants to do an investment property? I, I mean, how do you kind of are there expectations like? They connect with you and then maybe it's, it may be four months or six months, you know, before you find a property that you're going to present to them because, you know, given, given the market is, is this like a long-term play for them? Yeah, I think that, that, that needs to be the approach and it needs to be an intentional, I want to be an investor in real estate. I want to have some real estate. Um, but per particularly with, with your first couple of deals, you want to make sure that they're the right deal. Otherwise, you may get discouraged and you'll get chased out. So I would argue that there may not be any more important deal than the first or second one you do. Right. So let's make sure that that's the right deal. Uh, and I think that that having uh, a vision in mind of, of who you'd like to make this property appealing to. Do, do you want to appeal to families? Do you want to appeal that, that put, put you in a certain school district? Do you want to appeal to, to the medical industry? Well, that might put you down by Sarasota Memorial Hospital or doctor's hospital or other sort of great know. point. And, and I think that having a, an intentional strategy in mind is a great place to start. And then I think you want to set up a, a separate LLC. You know, you want to chat with your attorney. I'm not one, but yep. you do want to do whatever you can to isolate whatever potential liability may come along with that. You want to have relationship and be established with a banker so that if you're not paying cash, you, you, you still are an attractive buyer. You need to be, make yourself and put yourself as a buyer in an attractive light. Uh, and, and, and then you need to have, I'm a big process guy. I'm a, I'm a funnel guy. We need to define what do we want to put in at the top of the funnel and then which ones fit and which ones don't fit. We right. don't want them all. We just want the right one. Right. And if we have a good process to filter those, those, those targets out, we're yep. going to end up with a superior solution. Uh, and, and whether that takes 30 days or whether it takes 60, 90, 120 days, it's okay because at the end of the day, the investment is worth it. It's a significant investment. We just want to make sure we do it right. So I think that that might help to get somebody started, uh, and 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 to get a good guide. There's just there's no substitute for yeah. Somebody who's done I, yes, it. yes. I mean, it's just like the, like when I started this podcast. I mean, I hired a coach to kind of get me over the hoops there because heck, I didn't even know what a backlink is, and now I think your episode. I think you're my 101st interview. So. <laughs> That's been very, it was very helpful to, it was very helpful to have that coach. And, um, yeah, so I for could, sure. I could, and, I, and I love your, I love your show. I've just listened to it and it's just been very rich and you cover a wide range of topics and, and your sound quality and just the way that you deliver. I give you a shameless plug for your show. I love it. Well, so thanks for doing what I, you do. As I told you, I said, I appreciate you buying a new set of headphones and a mouthpiece there. <laughs> so that really helps with the quality. It really does yeah. help with the quality. Well, so, so where do you hope to take your business then? What's, what's the you know, future for, for Clint? Yeah, I really hope that just like I spent 15 years uh, sort of mastering mergers and acquisitions and then maybe another 15 years of, of, of 
of learning an awful lot about, about real estate investing and making a full-time nice living out of it. I hope that the next 15 years of my life is really dedicated to sharing what I've learned with other people and helping them to be successful in real estate, whether that's residential and then consulting right. on commercial on occasion and, 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 and just sharing what I've learned. I, I think that I do have a little bit of a unique background as, as a realtor. Uh, there's a lot of different ways to get into it. There's a lot of people who are really good at the business. Um, but I hope that, that my background brings value to the people that I work with. And, and that's ultimately how I'd like for my next 15 years to go. And, and that would be a, a rewarding third step in my career. Where could people find you if they want to reach out? No more. Yeah. My, my website is real simple. It's just uh, live the dream fl.com. So yep. that's livethedreamfl.com. They can reach out to me via email. I'm at clint at livethedreamfl.com. And if you're old school like me, just pick up the phone and call me. <laughs> 941-780-2912. Uh, in real estate, I like to say we only work on the days that end in Y. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, I'll it's, bet. It's, it's true. I'll bet. It's true. I love phone. it. It's my passion, and I look forward to sharing everything that I've learned with with anyone who might be interested. That's great. That's great. Well, Clint Caston, Global Real Estate Advisor with Premier Sotheby's and International Realty, thank you for being on the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you so much, Bob. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Hello, dear listeners. This is Bob again. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect. <music>